Welcome to PointCast. We are here today with Allison Culpepper, who has agreed to come on and talk to us about how the news that's going on around us is impacting her, her family, and her community. Allison, before we get started, I want to learn a little bit more about you, okay. uh, learn a little bit more about uh, your story. So please feel free to share. Okay, well, good morning to you, Francine. It's a pleasure to be on this podcast, this PowerPoint. And I am a 59-year-old college graduate. Uh, I was born and raised in Indianapolis, Indiana. I'm a Roman Catholic. Um, I'm a member of the Parish of Holy Angels on uh, 28th and MLK. So I'm a lifelong indie resident. I am ex-military. Oh, yeah. uh, oh, what branch did you serve in? The United States Air Force Reserves. How long were you in? Uh, six years. Six years. Well, thank you for your service. Thank you. And um, I also, my main career field is uh, in the medical profession. I'm a certified medical technologist. But I actually don't work in that area right now. I'm uh, working with uh, FedEx at this particular point in time. Uh, it's just a life journey. I've been, for the past five to eight years, I've been taking care of aging parents who both passed away just recently. So I'm starting to get uh, my sea legs back. And right. and uh, it's just a life's journey. but. I'm a lifelong resident of Indianapolis, Indiana, as I said, and I graduated from Spelman College Did you? in the 1980s, so that kind of dates me. But <laughs> That's okay. We all have dates. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the things that I wanted to talk about is, you know, there's a lot going on, a lot by being talked about with uh, news here locally in Indianapolis, uh, around the country, with this uh, government shutdown. But what I really want to understand is how it impacts just regular, everyday people and uh, and understand the perspective of people who are voters, uh, who are working, who are taking care of aging parents, and understand perhaps what we might be missing or politicians, those who are creating laws might be missing. When you're thinking about people like you, Allison, what, let's start with, with the government shutdown for instance. How, how does that hit you? What do you think when you hear that? Well, when you say government shutdown, I think that uh, most of us think about, um, especially if you are dealing with elderly people in your family, think about Social Security benefits. Um, you think about benefits that are directly related to the federal government. If you happen to be on what I call poor people's insurance, <laughs> You have uh, un and unemployment payments and and things of those nature. I I think it it generates a fear, mm -hmm. in in people, and uh, you have to figure out where do you go to get the information for the real deal. Because mm -hmm. of course we live in the era now of fake news. <laughs> Nobody knows what's true and what's not. Right, right. But people will certainly know when they can and cannot pay their bills. Absolutely. And when you, I, and I'm, I'm really well versed to speak about this, when you are 
faced with, let's just say, a catastrophic illness mm -hmm. and you rely on government subsidy in some way, mm -hmm. shape, form, or fashion, um, you have to be in a state of panic right now, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. not knowing whether or not uh, there's enough money to cover uh, those payments that you normally receive, whether mm -hmm. or not you're going to get them, whether they're going to be stopped. And we're not getting a whole lot of information from local government mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. as far as what to expect from this uh, federal government shutdown. Right. I think the latest thing we've been hearing is that there might be a possible slowdown or stop for some people who get SNAP or food stamp benefits. And, and that's a hugely uh, detrimental type thing for folks mm -hmm. who now have to decide, okay, uh, should I cut back on what I normally eat? Am I going to be able to buy my medicine? Or those are everyday things. Our day-to-day -day lives are being impacted, and it's really quite scary because there's nowhere to go for help since the help is directly connected to the federal government. Are you hearing people in your congregation or in your community who are talking about this? And if they are, what is it specifically that you think um, troubles them about this? Well, I, I think that there's a small percentage in our community, obviously, that actually voted this administration into government. They'll, they will never say it up front in discussions, but they have to be questioning their decision-making skills at this point. And you um, mean that people uh, in the African-American community absolutely. who voted for Trump? Absolutely. Right. Have you had conversations with people in your circle who have voted for Trump? Yes, I have. And I think that they inherently uh, decided that there needed to be a change. And uh, I don't think they really thought it through at the time that they did it. And um, I think they're having to deal with the negative impact of that right now. I, I don't think any one person in government is going to be absolutely perfect. We're all human beings. We all make mistakes. But I, I definitely think that they uh, cashed the ticket that was not worth the money that it was sold for at mm. this particular time. Right, right. Let's talk about um, a crime that, that happened in Texas, and I'll um, just kind of skim over it uh, generally, but we heard of a little girl who was shot and killed in a car with her mother, who was also shot, injured, but survived at a Walmart um, uh, parking lot. And initially, the thinking was that it was racially motivated. Now we're seeing African-American men being arrested for this crime. Um, how does that strike you? It makes me terribly sad if that indeed is actually what happened. Black-on-black uh, -black crime is obviously one of our major, major issues. Um, Later, a week or so, should those protests, should those rallies continue? I think they should, and but I think that we first of all need to understand within our own communities what these rallies and stuff are really for. Uh, I think the churches have a huge responsibility in this 
because we have to understand, again, the victimology and what causes these types of things to happen. And just because you don't actually know anyone that it actually happens to, mm -hmm. the fact that it is actually happening still directly impacts you whether you want to believe it or not. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And at some point in time, we have to wake up. Mm -hmm. We have to wake up and know that as long as there's one out there robbing, mm -hmm. drugging, right. selling drugs, we cannot afford to turn our backs on or turn a blind eye to that type of thing. And until we come together and coalesce as, as communities, it's only then that we're going to be able to stop this, this malfunction. Are you a voter? Yes. Okay, so the next election coming up next year, for the presidential election, for instance, would you vote for someone who wants to block access to people who are fleeing countries for a variety of reasons? I don't think so. I, I, it's a much more complicated issue in that. I would definitely have to know their platform and exactly what's involved, but a blanket statement that says, no, I'm going to block. We want to block. We want to stop. We want to limit access. Or build a wall or build a fence or impede access to... How about build a cage? Because mm. that's basically what we've gotten ourselves into. Yes. We're just going to build ourselves a cage and and stay in it. <laughs> I don't think we've thought about it from that perspective. That That's very interesting. And you're right. There are many layers to many issues, uh, but this is a, a really powerful one, especially when you talk about children. Well, exactly because they've tapped into... Uh, the resources that we've been told, uh, especially in the past decade, that are going away for us, the Social Security, the uh, Aid to Dependent Children, the WIC programs, and all those community programs on a local level as far as government that are basically tapped out mm -hmm. with those of us who were born and raised in this country. And then you have immigrants coming over mm -hmm. that are actually tapping into those Mm -hmm. already depleted resources mm -hmm. so it makes it a hotbed issue but as human beings we have to know that if you turn away the very least of of society mm -hmm. what will happen to us now it's been noted that um for instance when we talk about snap or we talk about um uh, what is it? What, WIC. More WIC or uh, various forms of welfare, well care, whatever you, however you put it. That that word kind of bothers me. The welfare word, but it's supposed to be set up so that only American citizens can access those benefits. However, many Americans believe that people come to this country and they access those those benefits. Um, with that notion, that, that disconnect, if people, more people understood or knew that you have to be a United States citizen um, to, let's say, for instance, just get food stamps, do you think that would change people's opinions? I think it might change people's opinions, but I, you would have to tap into the people that are in the Social Security office every day that are in the WIC offices once a month that get SNAP benefits and mm -hmm. you have to see with their eyes because what they see is the truth. Mm -hmm. And the truth is the system 
was set up to work one way, but it actually works another. Mm -hmm. So the immigrants that have come into this country are actually receiving and getting benefits, mostly because they have children that were born on American soil. And that's a polarizing hotbed issue with a lot of people, but it's not solved by any one answer. Because if you shut down the borders today, Mm -hmm. and let's just theoretically remove all those people that would come in, have come into this country Mm -hmm. um, by other means than being born here. This economy would grind to a halt. Mm, Right. So it's, it's, there's an economical impact. You truly have to understand the financial, not just the societal, but the financial aspect of it. And we, as everyday average citizens, again, we have tend to have tunnel vision, but you have to have a broad perspective as to what's really going on in the country right now. Right. So let's think about it. Someone gets paid normally under the table. They get paid under the table. It's $200 a week. They take that $200 and they put it out in the economy, whether they buy groceries or things or clothes or even a car. Right. So that affects those businesses. And if all of that is taken away, multiplied by uh, 800000 or so, then that's going to have a huge impact. Absolutely, absolutely. And they are some of the, what they've done is taken lemons and made lemonade. Mm -hmm. And what we as, as, uh, But isn't that what being an American is? You would think (laughs) so, but we've lost that. Some of us indigenous people, so-called indigenous people, have actually lost the drive. We've become so comfortable with ourselves and how things go on that we've lost the perspective of the financial aspect. The dollar has power, Mm -hmm. and how you use those dollars has power, Mm -hmm. and... and, uh, we need to tap back into that resourceful information mm-hmm. in order to move us forward. Mm-hmm. And we can move forward with uh, immigrants and everything because largely they tend to vote the way the community that they're anchored in votes. I see. Let's, let's change gears a little bit. I want to talk about the black community and the women's movement, the, the, the Me Too movement. There's been a lot of talk about me too and women's rights why isn't from your perspective women's rights talked more about in the black community because i think there are several predated myths that go along with uh, uh the black women in in this particular movement and a large majority of us feels like that has to do with only white women. But Me Too was actually started by a black woman. Absolutely. But when you sit down and talk across the boards with sisters who are actually in the trenches, who have to go to work every day and 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 deal with certain kinds of, of issues, it's, it's really tough to be a black, independent, intellectual, participating woman in in society today in the workforce you know because any type of 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 authoritative or strong uh personality traits are viewed as negative and that filters down into the black community also Mm -hmm. if you speak out Mm -hmm. if you're strong if you have a positive uh, outflowing of how you feel about a certain in, uh, 
a topic mm -hmm. or anything, then you're viewed as mm, maybe a troublemaker. Maybe a troublemaker. That's So a woman who has a voice is a troublemaker. That's interesting. How or has this been an issue with you personally in your walk? Absolutely, because uh, being in the medical profession, I... Uh, and starting out in the early 80s, I happened to be um, in given situations the only one or the first one. Oh, yes. And that's always the toughest job. Being a pioneer. Being a pioneer. Right. And I was raised by pioneers. Uh, my mother was uh, upper middle management for Indiana Bell. And uh, when it was Indiana Bell. Wow. And there's wow. a lot of things that go with being in a position of power or carrying with you uh, a sense of, of intellectual responsibility mm -hmm. because um, we're just viewed differently. Mm -hmm. And again, when you speak up and speak out mm -hmm. on issues, people tend to think uh, she's got a big mouth. You know, <laughs> <laughs> might want to uh, keep her locked away and it, right, right. it, it, it can negatively impact uh, moving forward mm -hmm. in in uh, your advancement in your career, mm -hmm. but again, it goes back to being faith based, mm -hmm. and and you just the will and the power of God is awesome mm -hmm. and amazing, and and being a woman is amazing, awesome. especially now in the twenty first century. So we have a responsibility to ourselves and to our future selves and our present selves. Those young ladies that will come behind us that are standing alongside of us, we have a responsibility to open up, speak out, and and make ourselves known. Now you mentioned before that you're a voter. Would you consider voting for a woman running in 2020? Absolutely, but you know what I find? I find that a lot of my contemporaries are veer off of women. What do you think? Uh, you know, it's the concept that we are not able to handle such a high level or a... So it's sort of like the same as pre-Obama, right? Before yes. Black people can't yes. handle and, and, and again, it's crabs in a barrel sort of thing. We have to debunk our own myths that we have that are keeping us down. It's not them, it's us. Oh, yes, 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 absolutely, absolutely. Um, let's move on to some international talks. Um, the president wants to move out of Syria, right? He wants to pull troops out of various places um, where we have military strongholds, and we've taken those positions to uh, under the guise of fighting terrorism. Um, is this something, or, or international terrorism, or these issues in particular, is, are these issues that are of interest in, in your world? Do they impact, how do they impact you? Well, absolutely, being ex-military myself, the I fundamentally am of the opinion that there are several areas of the world that we have no business in. We should have never have entered into in the first place, but it has a lot to do with economics and control over uh, some valuable resources. Why do we take such strong positions internationally uh, from your perspective as someone who's been in the military? What, what have you seen? 
again, it goes back to the financial aspect of some things. So, for instance, Israel, why, why, what's the financial aspect? Well, there's money involved. Having Israel as an ally is, is uh, very important. Uh, people don't see it as such, but Israel has a lot of money that's involved there, and uh, their opinions matter. Most of our government officials have been uh, pretty savvy on staying out of their internal conflicts, and mm-hmm. this is—I want to be clear about—that's what we're talking about. Right. Their internal conflicts, mm-hmm. because. Um, then you start drawing a line between peoples mm-hmm. and making choices of one people over another, mm-hmm. which is something that we should not be doing. But I think that it's largely a a, a financial aspect. You think it's of, more financial than all the other things we talk about? I don't, absolutely. I don't think we, uh, as a country, care so much about what they're actually fighting about, mm-hmm. but it's their... Uh, perception as an ally that we need in the financial markets, their backing uh, for certain things that we require. And so we've kind of made an unholy agreement with them. (laughs) So when you're looking at voting in 2020, is any of this going to matter to you as far as if you were to find a female or male candidate, however that works out, or if it's Trump? I'm just saying Trump or it could be another. Uh, Elizabeth Warren is, is, I believe, the only one to date who has thrown her hat into the ring. If you if those are the two and you, and everything you talked about about Israel, would that have an impact on which person you voted for? Absolutely, it would. I have to say that it would not be Trump in any way, shape, form, or fashion. <laughs> I just have to make that clear. But um, he might turn a corner for you. You know, <laughs> there is no turn. There is no corner to be turned in that <laughs> that uh, aspect of it. And it's really frightening because I don't even know who Elizabeth Warren is, mm-hmm, basically. Mm-hmm. And I'm definitely going to have to. So these candidates need to make themselves more known to people in order for you to even begin to support them. Because it's, exactly, it's an abysmal type situation because there's nothing on the horizon. Mm -hmm, Nothing mm -hmm. on the horizon that me as a registered voter could even be interested in at this point. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Just very last thing, we talked a lot about, in the news that is, about the whole Russian thing. And now we have someone who has been detained in Russia, uh, Paul Whelan, uh, who was originally listed as an American, we think has been arrested out of uh, kind of like revenge because of us arresting a, a young woman here for spying. Um, this whole Russian thing, and do you believe there's been Russian involvement? In yes, our I political do. Environment? I, I think that uh, <laughs> There's money. There's there's a phrase. Money talks. BS walks. <laughs> so it's it's important to note that there's obviously quite a bit of money that's been thrown around here, mm-hmm. and anything on this earth in 21st century can be bought and had if you have enough money, and I I think that we've got an administrative. Uh, 
block right now that's in power that believes that if you've got enough cash in your pocket, you can pretty much do whatever it is you want to. And for most of us in my generation, uh, we're taken aback and we're aghast at the actual things that that have come to light that have been going on supposedly with the Russian collusion in our um well, the president has been clear that there is no collusion. Do you believe there has been some, uh, let me be more definitive, do you believe that there's been some cooperation between either President Trump and or some members of his cabinet and Russian officials? I absolutely do, because I believe that there was a financial gain to be had by President Trump. And I, I just really think that in his makeup, he does not believe he's done anything wrong. Mm-hmm. President Trump has recently come out, and this will be um, um, one of the last points we'll make. He came out and said that among all of the, the presidents, he gets where people are coming from, and, and he understands uh, where people come from. And they're not concerned about things like collusion or what have you. You know, they're concerned about um, security and feeling safe, and, and that they just needed to know that he understands their plight. Do you think President Trump understands your plight? I don't think so. I don't see how he possibly could. When you've lived your life in a certain bubble, unless you've actually experienced some things, it's very hard to say that you understand. Through, And what should they say in order to help you to believe that they get you? What I I think what they absolutely should say is is what I want to do is to work in connection with you, to walk with you so that you can help me understand where you're at right now. So they have to have some willingness to learn. Absolutely. Some humility. And okay. they have to. You cannot sit in an office or a state house or a building all day, seven days a week, uh, 12 months out of the year and say that you actually made an effort. You have to go into these communities and sit down with people and actually have an intelligent and adult conversation with them in order to be able to be touched by what's going on. And unless you get touched, you cannot respond or react. One last thing. What is the issue that's keeping you awake at night? If you were to think about that. I think the, the major issue is where we are as a society, the man's inhumanity to man. That's mm. basically what keeps me up at night. I got you. I got you. Well, on that note, again, I want to thank you for coming on PointCast. This is our pilot episode. So we will be learning as we go along um, how to have smart discussions with voters whose voices aren't typically heard. And if you're listening and you want to be a part of this discussion, please feel free to reach out to us. 